0: I wonder if it's only me or whether you too have wondered whether you are forgiven enough to continue to serve God. Sometimes we might think the things that we've done or the things that we've said might be too much to be forgiven for, or that ministry is for, for other people, for, for someone else. We might even have uttered the phrase, I'm not good enough to do that. And the thing is, that's a perfectly normal human way of thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that our world works is that um, there are consequences to the things and, that we do and the things that we say. Sometimes those consequences are good. When we've spoken life into a person or a particular situation, the consequences can be good. Uh, Equally, um, there can be some kind of punishment that's involved uh, as a consequence for the things that we do and say, um, depending on how far we overstep the the mark in a a negative way. It might cause um, breakdowns in, in relationships or various other things. So it's a perfectly natural thing to think that that's how God would treat us when we make mistakes, that somehow we would be disqualified from serving him and others due to the things that we've done or said. But the thing is, as we looked at last week with grace, God doesn't work like we do. And hallelujah for that. We receive this free gift even although we clearly don't deserve it. And this week we look at, at mercy, which is, as I said earlier, is closely tied to grace. But that mercy is actually not receiving what you deserve. And the thing is, it can be hard for us to get our head around because. We would expect some sort of of punishment when we do things wrong, whatever, to varying degrees, whatever that punishment might look like. But, But God does something different. God gives second chances. He forgives us and gives us another chance. And the thing is, we're going to be able to see this, this mercy that God shows, play out twice. In our short reading from this morning, God acts in different ways to us, and he shows mercy. And the first comes at the very beginning of our reading. So if you have your your Bibles, we're at the very beginning of chapter 3 of Jonah, where we read, The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. In verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3, we see God showing Jonah mercy. Jonah had run away from God in quite a spectacular fashion. He finds himself on a boat in incredibly choppy waters. He then finds himself in the water. And just as he is sinking to the bottom, he is swallowed up by the big fish. And in that big fish, he has this revelation. He repents and praises God in prayer. He understands that God has his best interest and that God is with him and that you can't outrun him. And at the end of our reading last week, he was vomited up onto dry land. He has some story to tell. But here we have God giving him a second chance to go and do the thing, that he was called to go and do. And it may well be that we feel that we might have disqualified ourselves from serving God. And the fact is that that's never the case because no one can qualify for that work. God calls us to these things. He invites us into these things. It's not about our our age, our, our skills. God will use our skills. It's not about That God will provide us for what we need when we are called to a particular thing. If God chooses you to do a particular thing, He'll allow you to use your your gifts and your passions to serve Him and to serve the world. And God continues to ask us these things. We can't outrun God. He puts a call on every single one of our lives. And He's the God of second chances. Here's Jonah receiving that second chance. He's shown this mercy through his repentance in the belly of the big fish. And as we continue on, we read that Jonah sets out and went to Nineveh because he's received this second chance and he's grabbing it with both hands. There's quite a distance to go. It's an exceedingly large city as well. Three days, we read, to walk across it. That's obviously the suburbs as well. And I love that he is willing to step back into that. Because as we saw at the beginning of the book of Jonah, he goes off in the opposite direction, always counter to what God is telling him to do. But this time he does as he's told. And he goes and he follows through on what God is asking him to do. But the thing is he had some real genuine concerns about Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And they were known for their incredible violence. And as God refers to them as their wicked ways. They were known for their wicked ways. But this time he goes. None of that stuff's changed. The people in Nineveh are still the people in Nineveh. Jonah's quite genuine concern is still very real and still there. But he follows through because he knows that God is with him and that he can't outrun him. And he acts upon his repentance. It's not just words in a prayer, but he actually puts it into action. It's quite understandable that Jonah had absolutely no desire to go to Nineveh and preach against them. But in verse 4, we get what that message actually is. It says, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, 40 days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That was the message that we, Jonah, is to go into Nineveh and share. 40 days more, and you'll be overthrown. I don't know about you, But I would have loved to have learned more about Jonah's ministry in Nineveh. We don't get a lot. I would have loved to have learnt more. It's very Mark's gospel-like, where it's, Jonah's told this, Jonah did this, Jonah says this, Jonah did that, God said this. Very Mark. I would have preferred it to have been more like Luke's gospel, where we get more details, and, and he expands on things, and we get to find out what those conversations were like. But I would have loved to have learned more about Jonah's ministry because clearly it was effective. Now, we don't get that same level of detail that we would get in a Luke's gospel. But the reason that we know that it is a powerful ministry is that in verse 5 we read that, And the people of Nineveh believed God They proclaimed a fast, and everyone great and small put on a sackcloth. Here's Jonah, a Hebrew, going into the heart of the Assyrian empire with a message that says it will be overthrown. And rather than these people doing what you would expect them to do to someone coming in by themselves without an army and saying, you're going to be overthrown in 40 days. Rather than doing what we would expect, which is the wicked ways and the, the violence that they had so, so mastered over the years. We read that they repent. They repent. They accept his message. They believed in God. They realized that they'd been wrong and that they needed to do something to make amends for that. All of this on the back of Jonah's ministry. And here, in the biblical text, we have him proclaiming one line. That's all we get. We don't get the rest of his ministry. Now, I completely and truly believe that we have a powerful God who can act with just a sentence. And amazing things can happen. I truly believe that. But I also believe that there was more going on in Nineveh. As Jonah was walking around the city and the people are turned and repent. Because I'm sure without a shadow of a doubt. As human beings, we love to ask questions. And I'm sure the very, very first question that would have came out of anyone that Jonah came up against, they would have said, oh, is that right? Overthrown by whom? That would have been probably the first question that Jonah has asked. And Jonah is able to tell them, well, it's the Lord, the Lord your God, is the one that will overthrow you. You can almost imagine them thinking, who has the audacity to come here and tell us that we'll be overthrown, and they've sent you? But I'm sure that Jonah would have shared a little bit about his story, his testimony with them. His testimony about how God is a a good God, And a God of second chances. A God who is filled with compassion and mercy. And we know that that's what Jonah believed. Because we have his prayer. And we'll see that next week in chapter 4. We know that that is part of his theology. That he truly believes that God is a compassionate God. A merciful God. So I'm sure he would have shared this with the people of Nineveh? Because they probably also asked, is there not anything we can do? I'm sure that he would have shared with the people the, the many, many stories of God showing his compassion and mercy to his people. So here we have them. They hope that they could make amends. as Jonah has told his story that he was given the second chance they may well be thinking well maybe we'll get a second chance if we repent what is even more amazing is in verse 6 we read when the news reached the king of Nineveh he rose from his throne removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes even the king the ruler of the Assyrian Empire, even the king is captured by this message that Jonah brings from God. He takes off his robes, willing to sit in ash, put sackcloth on. We're all in it together, from top to bottom. There was no hierarchy. From top to bottom, they are all showing their repentance. Jonah's ministry has ushered in this amazing revival that's happening in Nineveh, like that we'd never seen before. An amazing revival, where from top to bottom there is this acceptance of, of God and a repentance of their wrongdoings. But it goes even further because the king even issues a decree that no human being or animal No human being or animal will eat or or drink. They will fast. They will be wearing the sackcloths. And in verse 9, we read the king saying, Who knows? God may relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. They've got it. They get it. God is a God of second chances. They are showing God how sorry they are. And here we see that God's word is for everyone. It is for everyone. Despite the wickedness of the Ninevite people, they were offered a second chance. They were offered a second chance and they are open to hearing that message from God. And I often wonder how many times do we put off sharing the the good news of Jesus with people because we're worried like Jonah was. How often do we shy away from it, that we think that people might act in in a really negative way? And some people will. But how many more people People who are nowhere near as wicked and evil as the Ninevites were. How many more people in our lives would respond in the same way of accepting God's message delivered through us? That amazing message of salvation that is found in Jesus. That through Jesus our salvation has been bought. Maybe they too would be open to hearing that amazing good news if we would share it with them. Allow the Spirit to move in those interactions. This is an amazing turn for the Ninevite people. They've turned away from their wicked ways and towards God and in repentance. And what is amazing is they're even referenced In Matthew chapter 12, as Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes, they're held up as an example. If you think that we don't have a God of second chances, these people not only were given a second chance, but Jesus uses them as an example of what we should look to. As he's talking to these these scribes and Pharisees, and he holds up the Ninevites as, as an example of those who will follow God. And also to show the Pharisees and the scribes how stubborn they are being. That they would be judged. That they would be judged for their stubbornness and their unwillingness to see where they've gone wrong. Their unwillingness to accept Jesus for who he was and is the Messiah. But God isn't done. He isn't done. And in verse 10, we read, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them. And he didn't do it. You know, Jonah did what he was told this time. He went and he delivered this message. And I don't know, maybe deep down, he was probably quite happy. That these people were being they were going to be destroyed as he's delivering this message once he got going and people were people were accepting of it he probably got on a roll he probably got quite smug i'd like to think that he wasn't but he probably was because we'll find that out next week where his real heart lies but he delivered this message that in 40 days you'll be overthrown you can know, almost imagine I'm kind of counting down the days towards the 40 days. And fun little uh, fact. It's amazing that we're told that it's going to be in 40 days. 40 days seems to be the, the right amount of time that God uses for things. It must be the right amount of time for a particular revelation or change to happen. Because we have 40 days here, we have 40 days at the great flood, 40 days and 40 nights of the flood. And, in, and of course, Jesus went into the wilderness uh, before the beginning of his ministry, and that was for 40 days and 40 nights. Clearly, something in that. But back to verse 10. Clearly, at some point, God speaks again to Jonah to say to him, I've seen the Ninevites, I've seen their willingness to repent. It looks genuine. I can see that they have, from top to bottom, they have been willing to repent. So now, Jonah, you need to go and tell them that I'm not going to do what I said I was going to do. Go back and tell them that everything's going to be okay, that I forgive them, that I'm going to show them mercy. And here in the Scripture, we read that God changed his mind. But the thing is, we believe in a God who doesn't change. So what is going on here? We believe in a God that is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So how could he change his mind? Surely we have a consistent God. Well, I'm sure to the people that at the time and for the author of the book of Jonah, it looked like God was changing his mind. But the fact is that God is always consistent. And what is actually going on here is... God is showing that consistency. That he extends mercy to those who truly repent before him. That's consistent. It's not him changing his mind. It's completely consistent with God's character. To see true repentance and forgive. Grace is a free gift that we don't deserve at all, but God extends it to us anyway. It's the same with mercy. We don't receive what we deserve in the sense of a punishment. You know, the punishment that God was willing to hand out to to Nineveh seemed clearly fitting uh, to the crimes that they had committed. But God, in His mercy, decides to show them who He is. He chooses not to destroy them. He sees that they're genuinely repentant of the things that they've done. And the thing is, that isn't to say that we all get a a free pass to do whatever we like because we know that God is going to forgive us whatever we do. It's not about that. I mean, he will forgive us, but it's not about taking that free pass and doing whatever we like. Because the thing is, we're not going to be sitting in ash wearing sackcloth to show our repentance, to show how sorry we are. But the Holy Spirit looks into our hearts and explores what is going on in there. God knows when our sorry is a genuine one. When we're genuine in our apology, when we're seeking that forgiveness from God. And the thing is, God's mercy to us is a mystery. Because it's so contrary to what we would do as human beings. For example, we might say that we're looking for justice, but if we actually drill down, half the time we're looking for vengeance. We want revenge rather than justice. And we need to keep that in check. We're so thankful that that's not how God works at all. And I guess we might never fully understand all the aspects of God, including mercy, um, this side of eternity. But we need to receive it, and we need to look to the Ninevite people as, a, as an example to us. That we have heard this amazing good news of Jesus, and we have access to eternal life through our faith and our following of him. That we receive forgiveness for the, for the things that we do wrong, because we do do things wrong, all of us, each and every day whether that's in the things that we say, whether it's in the things that we do, whether it's in the things that we think. We might look to try and create a leak table of how severe sin is, and we like to think of ourselves, well, at least we're, we're not as bad as that. So, But the fact is that there is no leak table of missing the mark when what God has planned for us we fall short of every single day of our lives we do need that forgiveness and we are so thankful that we do have a compassionate and merciful god so while god's mercy may well be a a mystery we need to accept it receive it understand that it is open to everyone that it is open to everyone And we have that call in our life to be like Jonah, to go and share that good news with others. The thing is, they too may well have questions. We might not necessarily know all the answers, and that's okay. But just like Jonah had a story to tell of God working in his life, a testimony, each and every one of us has that story too. And that's unique to us. We can share that. Because we know that. We know that God has worked in our life and we're able to point to it. We can share that with others. And I'm sure people will respond if we can lead them to that place. If we can lead them to that place. My prayer is that we would be used by God to lead people to a place where they are able to understand God's love for them, that they might repent and enter into that relationship. And I believe that's the most amazing thing that we can do. You know, God's mercy may well be a mystery, but it's an absolutely wonderful mystery. What is even... What is not a mystery, though, is how we access God's mercy. And it's through our faith in Jesus and through the example that was set by the Ninevite people. Because it's not just in our hearing of God's word that pleases him, but it's actually in our responding to God's word that pleases him. The Ninevite people heard that story of what was going to happen to them. They would have listened to what Jonah had shared with them. They knew that God was a God of second chances, and they knew that they needed to repent. It didn't just go in and then they thought, it's okay, God will forgive. They knew that they needed to do something, and it was in their action of seeking God's forgiveness and repentance that mercy was delivered to them. Shall we pray? Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you that you are a a God of compassion and mercy. We thank you that you offer us second chances. So often we, we fail to seek that forgiveness. Thinking that we're maybe not quite as bad as other people, so we're okay. We thank you that by your Spirit, you convict us of these things. Would you help us to Would you help us to, to be able to respond when we hear your prompting? And we are sorry when we when we fail to share the good news of Jesus with other people. So often we can pray for, for revival, but we fail to do what Jonah did which was to step into a really difficult situation, but to share a, a tough message with people. But Father, the message that we have to share with people is so wonderful. And we're aware that it can be devastating to hear it. But we continue to pray that you would use us That one by one, more would come into relationship with you. That more would understand your compassion and your mercy. And that more would come to love you through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his precious name that we pray. Amen.